president gave a speech about the coronavirus yesterday, took some questions because of the era we live in. It immediately becomes about Trump and political. To, to uh, just a laughable extent. I mean, it's just silly. As Trump said, look, I asked for this much money. They said it was too little. If I'd asked for more, they'd have said it was too much. This is just the way it works in Washington. But anyway, uh, first case of coronavirus where they don't know the origin of it. So that's kind of interesting. First case in America. Japan is closing all their schools through March, all of next month in the whole country. Yeah. Because of the coronavirus. Yeah. We're sort of a little closer to China than we are. Well, if the death rate they is. They also what? have no children, so closing the schools means. Six kids won't go to school. What does that mean in Japan? Yeah. But if it's as deadly as it seems to be, which is still a very low percentage of people get it, but it's high enough that it's worrisome. You know, the kids can go to school in April. They'll be fine. Uh, stay home and play like super advanced Japanese video games and enjoy yourself, kids. <laughs> they so, don't have any kids, but in theory. You, that's right. Imaginary kids. Little anime kids. The anime kids are staying home. So, Jack, you mentioned that one... Uh, <laughs> The community transmitted case of coronavirus happened to be in Sacramento, California, the capital of that great state. And uh, Sacramento is also the capital of lunatic ideas and poor governance. Um, And we were discussing a little bit earlier this assembly bill that's, that's part of the whole end of the pink tax foolishness where the government is going to declare what... Uh, businesses can charge you for your products, and if you sell a woman's razor for a higher price than a man's razor, they will punish you for that and make you change the price. I had forgotten that because that's a women thing. are too stupid to buy a blue razor and save money. Everybody knows that. That's what we call sarcasm in the sarcasm business, folks. So uh, get, put down your poison pen. I get some items that are more expensive for women than men. Like uh, colognes and perfumes, that makes perfectly good sense to me. It's more important mm-hmm. to women than it is to men. I mean, if the price got to a certain extent with men, they just say, screw it. Whereas women would be more more likely to, I'm going to pay more to make sure I have the right scent. Are you trying to tell me that you're going to change your price based on demand? How or that dare you? Or I'm also, in, I'm also insinuating there are a difference between the genders on whole, which is, I realize, oh something you're not supposed to do. Oh, my God. You're, you're a monster. That it is interesting you can charge more for pink razors than blue razors. They're, my wife, ha- we have them. You can try. We have them in the same cabinet. They're exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Same company, Gillette. Hers are pink, mine are blue. I didn't even know hers are more expensive. but they're Because ex- when, I, when I run out, I use hers, and they're exactly the same. Not a bit different, mm-hmm. other than the plastic that they pour into the molding right. is pink instead of blue. Yes. But they, they charge more. How, do, how does that work? What do you mean? But how, how does it work economically? Why, why does it work? I have no because idea. Women, because I don't care what color my razor is. I no. wonder if that's it. Women would care. They like having pink stuff around and stuff matching, whereas I don't care. Make it whatever color you want. I'm going to buy the cheapest one you get. Right, and they're willing to pay it for something that's pretty. Well, the government is going to stop in, step in and prevent them from doing what they want, but so because the, they know better. But the, so, so some people, like the people who wrote this law we're about to talk about, they believe it's evildoers are trying to punish women for being for having ovaries. Well, I mean, is that what they think? Well, and they also believe that it's the government's role to step into that transaction and make it right. Their words, not mine, which is a, a bizarre and idiotic notion. Um, and and is is also. Um, and it seems 
crazy or paranoid to be talking about how that will lead to totalitarianism. But that's a great example of the mindset of totalitarianism, that they will decide for you what is best for you. It's as simple as that. And so the pink tax is the kind of the 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 greater philosophy and movement that such leading intellectual lights as Jackie Spear and and others are into. But there's another bill that's being considered that would apply to uh, larger retail stores that would forbid them, by law, from segregating boys' clothes and girls' clothes. Please do not use gendered language to... To address everyone. Or to sew pants. You could not have a girl's section and a boy's section of a Target store or a Walmart or a whatever. You can't have most of the pink toys and dolls and kitchens and the rest of it in one aisle of the toy store and the guns and bats in the other one. Actually, there's plenty of girls playing softball these days, and they know perfectly well it's, how to find it. It's bat. more uh, Legos and Nerf guns. I'm, I'm in the toy aisle all the time. So the, the, the one aisle, which my boys never go down because there's nothing there they're interested in, is almost, I mean, if you just, like, squinted, it's pink. Right. It's pink and yellow and orange. If you squint, and they don't go down that aisle because you beat them if they do it. Correct? Absolutely, and I yes. told them it's wrong. Right. Um, uh, uh, the other aisle is all dark blues, dark greens, and that color, and it's all uh, like Star Wars Lego stuff and Nerf toys, mm-hmm. Nerf guns of various kinds. Yeah, right. Well, that's and, going and, to be illegal henceforth, Jack. <laughs> That's it should be. <laughs> oh my God! So uh, again, it is well, so, hilarious, and, and it's uh, it's uh, sponsored by Assemblyman Evan Lowe, Democrat of Campbell, California, who, if he were not so dumb, would be terrifying. So because it would be better in his mind for the toys and clothes to be intermixed, he's going to impose that will at the point of the government's gun on stores. But what's the, what? I still don't understand what they think is the problem. What's the... like the two Gender stereotyping. The different toy aisles. Segregation, Jack. We're against segregation. It's a bad word. My, I, I know. I learned that once. My sense of it is that the kids like it this way. The girls hang out with other girls they, there at the well, store and talk listen, about their stuff, and the boys Jack, hang out with other boys. We can't, we can't let that develop. That preferring that we've got to step in and socially engineer a more enlightened store. We were talking about this earlier. If you can justify that, I mean, and again, it's so stupid, it's hard to take seriously, but it's about the mindset. You absolutely, if you could do that, you could demand that grocery stores assemble the food from most nutritious to least nutritious. I mean, that's a way, way easier case to make. Sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially well, if you got socialized medicine. Well, the next bill I'm going to pass will be insisting that car dealerships be arranged from most fuel efficient to least fuel efficient. In fact, to get a, a truck or an SUV, you've got to travel to a distant lot with a government permit to buy it because it's so dangerous. You know, any business you're in, my friends, any business, I, I'll bet you can picture an example in your head right now. How about booksellers? Now, the First Amendment is pretty hardcore, so I have a feeling that would stop them in their tracks. I would actually like to, I would like this to happen at bookstores. 
Uh, maybe you could stop it because it's the reverse in bookstores because I have to walk past aisles and aisles of chick lit before you get to the real books, in my opinion. Oh, listen to me. That's sexism, folks, and that's ugly. Please do not use gendered language every in the to address everyone. Every book cover's got a skinny chick in a little black dress with a with a wine glass in her hand. Every single book cover. Mm. It's amazing. Mm. That's so how my wife. How, exactly. <laughs> has my wife on the cover. And it's how they can't find Mr. Right or did find Mr. Right and he turned out to be Mr. Wrong or whatever. Well, Every story's the same. <laughs> yes, but it's not by government mandate. They've decided that's best. And and again, the bookstore thing's a bit of a stretch because of the First Amendment, but uh, I'll bet y'all can... Here's the text line. 415-295-KFTC. 415-295-KFTC. Uh, what would it be in your business? Or or what's your uh, uh, what's your example of this sort of thing? To perfect society, we're simply going to tell every business how it has to run itself. Do you understand what I'm driving at here? Do you think people having acquired that much power, and this is how it actually works in the real world, because there's plenty of government regulation, they realize, okay, that just crushed the profits of, say, the car dealers, and the car dealers are going crazy. And so a commission meets, and six months later, they come out with a new set of rules. Well, the market has already rendered those new rules obsolete and dumb, and there will be a new uh, a list of complaints, and the long and short of it is the car dealers will have to get together and make enormous contributions to the government officials, whether over the table or under the table, so that the politicians will structure society in a way that's more profitable to the car dealers. I, and it's just, it's insidious. I understand your concern on that, and I, I still just can't get over the other end. What's motivating you in the first place? Who cares that there's one aisle of pink toys and one aisle of blue toys? Who cares about that? You know what's it, 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 it almost doesn't matter. It, I almost don't want to dignify it with an explanation. I'd rather say, you don't get to do that. You don't get to choose that. You don't get to decree that. The government doesn't get to do that. And give them a good, solid rhetorical punch in the face and not just treat them like train them like a dog (laughs) wow you know (laughs) there are certain things if you do it's going to go very very badly for you what percentage i will explain it the nine-year-old child of a staffer said she makes she thinks it's sad how boys and girls sections are separated and that he should make a law against that who walks into Target and is bothered by the girls section and boys section being separate, as opposed to it makes it so much handier because I got a boy and a girl and I know exactly where to go to find my stuff. Right, or I've got a really effeminate boy. He wants to get a doll. I know exactly where the dolls are. Right. We'll save some time. But again, who's bothered by that? Who thinks they get to tell stores how to run their business? Speaking of scary people. Speaking of kids, majority of Americans with kids say parenting is tougher today than when they were children. I'm sorry, one more thing. Assemblyman Evan Lowe, Democrat of Campbell, I'm going to spend the rest of my days attempting to thwart you in all your... <laughs> you are my arch enemy now. Wow. You He's... are my nemesis. Wow. It's good I to have will a nemesis. shadow your every step. I will I will torture every breath you take with my something or other. I I'm still working on my credo. I want a nemesis so bad. Seems like it'd be so motivating when you get up in the morning. Well, right. Fo- be a, where to focus your energies. I have a nemesis. I don't have one. Yeah, I'm laying around in bed. I don't want to get up, honey. She'd say to me, your arch nemesis is up. And I'd think, you know what? You're right. <laughs> You're right. I got to get up and oppose him. Thanks, sweetheart. <laughs> Very handy.
Armstrong and Getty Show. Well, I'm an AM talk show host. Except for the stations we're on where we're FM talk show hosts. In short, a talk show host. And when I'm not saying kids today, what's wrong with them? I like saying parents today, what's wrong with them? (laughs) That's what we do when we're talk show hosts. Uh, I think these statistics are interesting. Three quarters of parents of school-aged children say they're better at parenting than their own parents were. Three quarters. I would not say that. I think my parents were better than I am. Um, and oh, that's an interesting thing to say. And three in four think parenting is more difficult today than it was when they were children. Wow, I'm I I, I would need to aren't, think about both of those. Aren't <laughs> aren't we something? There's a lot there. We the majority who think we're better parents than our than our parents were, and it's much harder now. It's much harder now, and I'm still better at it. All right. <laughs> Seems a little whatever. Yeah. Happy with yourself? I would answer, I don't know, and I don't know. Well, you refuse to answer any any questions. That's because I'm a thinker. I'm not an answerer. (laughs) You're not a answer these questions as somebody walks by you or calls you on the phone. Well, there are complexities to these things. Well, Well, what do you mean by? You just have to give an answer. (laughs) Do you think it's harder or easier? Pick one. You're not the boss of me. (laughs) You pick your... See, he's doing it again. Why do I have to give an answer? What was that thing we heard yesterday? <laughs> oh, oh, right. It was hilarious. What was it? Oh, who are you to tell me to listen to authority or to not listen to authority? Something yeah. like that. Who are you to tell me to defy authority? <laughs> <laughs> okay. These are the things that amuse us. Back to parenting. So you don't have an answer? You will not okay, answer right, whether you right. think... Uh, what's the first one? Am I a better parent than my parents? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's not one of the options. I don't know! I don't know! I... Well, I, does it lean... Know, I mostly perceived my parents as parenting me, right? More than my sister and brother. I just... I, I, I have... have to drill down your lack of willingness to answer. All right. So I... do you think questions like this shouldn't exist? <laughs> no! I just don't know how to answer it. That, what does that make me a bad person? Listen, I'm trying to explain. I, I my I perceive my parents as parents mostly me because they were parenting me. I kind of sort of noticed they were parenting a couple other human beings, but I am so different from my kids in so many ways. I don't. How would I have handled me? I I've never had to handle me. Well, except during my teenage years. Ah, but hilarious, <laughs> very funny. Thank you, Michael. What? Trying to distract with humor. Yeah, right. exactly. Trying to get away from the core question. <laughs> I die. Uh, ah, jeez, am I a better parent than my parents? Who are you to tell me to defy authority? That's really funny. I don't know. I can't answer. You that. just will not answer. I it. can't. But do you think that people who do answer it are doing something wrong? Why? Why? Why do you insist? I'm trying to find an explanation for my thinking. Because <laughs> you just will not engage in these conversations. I, I No, that's I'm the opposite. I will absolutely engage in the conversation. I won't give you an answer until I've thought about it. Okay. How long will you need? <laughs> At least a week. <laughs> Check back in next Thursday. No, I tell you what. Three to five business days. <laughs> By close of business next Tuesday, all right, I will all right. have an answer. You want my you want my answer? That's what you you want an answer. Yes. Here's my answer. Okay. Am I better oh, a better parent than my parents were? Yes. In some ways, yes. In some ways, no. Okay. Oh, fantastic. Gosh. Um. 
and then 75% of respondents think parenting is more difficult today than when they were children. Uh, that one smacks of every generation thinks that they've got it harder or yeah. whatever, but I'm thinking like specifically of my, my, my dad, mom and dad, when they were kids, their chance of their life going way off the rails as like 13 year olds was so low. Yes. Compared to the internet era. I think I agree. I think it is more challenging now in a lot of ways. And, and wouldn't you say most of it's around the internet? Yes. In uh, yeah. In Everything short, else is in the same. Inputs. Yeah. You're you're dealing with uh, a much more divergent set of values too. I mean, in the town I grew up in, there and and, and listen, you know, I, if you know me, you know I'm not exactly a, a guy who gets in a herd and runs happily with the rest of the sheep. Um, there was a good, solid set of values everybody shared. Or most people shared, and you could tell what they were, and, and it it was everywhere. So it was easier to form a good, solid set of values. I got more on this coming up. It's pretty damned interesting in a breakdown by uh, various parts of parenting and childhood and that sort of thing that Joel can, can refuse to answer. Well, I hope you have more questions that I can, uh, you know, hem and haw about. Obama made them take down an ad or asked them to take down a political ad yesterday. <laughs> Talk about that. play a clip of Bernie Sanders on uh, Phil Donahue's show back in the early 80s talking about socialism that I think he'll be asked about by some reporter at some point and we'll have to have an answer for as we learn more about Bernie Sanders uh, what it means to be a socialist in his past and that sort of stuff and well his going out of the way to <clears throat> praise totalitarian regimes is just sickening and a couple of people have said well Trump has praised Kim Jong-un said nice things about President Xi. Well, that's an entirely different context when you're in the middle of negotiation with somebody saying, listen, he's, uh, he's a, a wise guy. He's got a lot of ideas, blah, blah, blah. That's different than praising the system well, there's that a, they run. There's a couple I'm okay with and a couple I'm not, since that comes up a lot. With Trump doing it? Yeah. I would agree. What there about are... Trump's love, letter, love, love letters with uh, Kim? Well, he's trying to play the guy in a negotiation. That's yeah. clearly what he's trying to do. Putin, I think... I don't know what he's trying to do there. When he stood next to Putin and said, I don't see why he would interfere in our elections, I thought that was abhorrent yeah. that Trump said that. Yeah, I didn't just, like it a bit. I have no idea what that was all about. Talking about Duarte? Is that what that is? Oh, Duterte? Duterte. Yeah, yeah in uh, the Philippines. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if he was trying to make a joke and it came off wrong about the way they handled drugs in their country, because yeah. the guy pushes them out of helicopters, drug dealers. <laughs> so I don't know what yeah. he's thinking it about It does there. go too far. Absolutely, I agree. But the the that love is letters, uh, that is part of Trump's act. I would love to rein in if I could. The love letters to Kim and the and the stuff with Xi is all part of the negotiation, I think. So yeah, and I think he thinks, and it's yeah, I know we're, uh, we're going to mention Obama here in a moment or two. He like Obama and like uh, like a lot of presidents has an enormous confidence in his ability to to change minds and influence people. 
and I suppose you get elected to the most powerful you know position on earth, it would tend to give you that belief. Yeah, you come to believe that if you just give me you give me an hour in a room with that person, and I'll get them thinking my way. Right. Yeah. I, I tell you what, I'll I'll be so non-threatening to Putin, he'll think uh, I'm with him, and then uh, we'll get a better deal. I think he's out of his mind, but yeah. I mean, uh, so back back on this briefly, a majority of Americans with kids. A, a, a big majority, three quarters of parents think they're better parents than their own parents were. Also, three quarters of parents believe it's more difficult today to raise kids than when they were children. And uh, I don't know what you think about those stats, but I think that's kind of interesting. So we think we're better at it. It's harder and we're better at it. Three quarters of us. Seems a little happy with ourselves to me. That's isn't the, that's right there out of the same uh, chapter of the book of humanity with 70% of people think they're better than average looking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is hilarious. Yeah. Uh 78% of respondents were adamant that they would not be passing on certain aspects of their children to their kids. That's interesting. So almost 80% of people grow up and think there's one thing my parents did, or a couple things my parents did I'm not going to do with my kids. Hmm. That just seems to be so that's almost universal. Yeah, I had I definitely had one of those. Me too, and I'm yeah. sure my parents did and mm-hmm. everybody did. Sure. And my kids probably will. Yeah. Um but that's interesting. Oh yeah, I guarantee my kids will and they should. I I'm I'm open with them about I should have done this better. I'm I'm hoping I can help them be better. Would you give an example or rather not? Um yeah, I'd have to think about how to put it. Okay. I should have been better at letting my eldest vent her anger without seeing it as defiance. I should have let her stomp and yell and scream more and cut it off later. I'll tell you what, I would be... Because she, she has my temper and she's just got to let the steam off. And I understood that a lot better as, as the years went by. The only reason I'm any good at that is because my wife worked at a home for emotionally damaged kids mm-hmm. and and tells me oftentimes he's just, this is just, you know, him reacting. It's the only way he can react. It's Because I always think it's a battle of wills <laughs> over something. Yeah. And they're just, and he's just being defiant, like you yeah, said. And, right. and, and, and she'll say, no, no, you got to let this one go and yeah. he'll, he'll be over it in 10 minutes. And oftentimes he is. Yeah. And he'll come and hug me and say, and I love you, dad. And I'm sorry I said that and everything like that. And it was just, yeah, he was, he, I don't know why I did that. I would have not caught on to that if my wife hadn't had the background she had. You know, I kind of appreciate you saying that because sometimes two days will go by that I won't kick myself for that failing. Sometimes I can keep it out of my mind for like two days, then it'll come back. I'm pretty bad at forgiving myself because I'm a stupid idiot. <laughs> well, it's because you think you're doing the wrong thing by raising a kid who thinks they can get away with this or that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're harming them by letting them get away with that. It's harder than it looks. It is. <laughs> Parenting? You don't oh, say. <laughs> freaking, it's amazing. Mm. Daily. Well, kids are so childish. <laughs> you child? <laughs> you child. You child! That's a hilarious what clip. What clip was that? The child? That's a, that's a Pete Davidson. Oh, right. What talking, was he talking, about? talking about genitals in some way, and he used the clinical term, and I think Colin Joe's chuckled or something. Oh, right. and he said, you child. You child? <laughs> anyway, uh, aspects of childhood not to pass along to children. Starting at the bottom, grounding. 30% of parents say they're not going to, they, their parents did it, they're not going to do it. Really? Huh. Um, leave child home alone. Well, that's interesting. That's part of the whole. We're just what age are we talking cautious. about? Well, of course, it makes a 22. difference. <laughs> six months, six months old. You leave my rattle in a bottle. They're fine. <laughs> you go to the movies. You come back. They'll beat those. Joey, wow, that's dark. 
timeouts, about a third. So this is far less than half that agree with it. Go to your room, a third say, I had to as a kid. I'm not going to do that with my kids. Uh, Time spent alone. Wow, that seems like something you have to do. Uh, Can't get up from the dinner table until you're finished. My wife, I don't see eye to eye on this one. but Dinner um, table events. 39% 39% say they're not going to do that. Strict bedtimes. 41% say they're not going to have strict bedtimes like their parents made them do. And about half say no spanking or corporal punishment. Even though my their parents did it. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Most challenging aspects of parenting. Uh, filling the day, 25%. Filling the day. Entertainment, 25%. There's too much entertainment. Hygiene. Okay. Um, An aggressive scent. Nutrition. Eh, you give them a box of something you found on the aisle, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> they wouldn't like mac and cheese so much if it wasn't good for them. Most challenging aspect of parent education, 39%. We spend a lot of time on that. Setting boundaries, 43%. That's like 90% of parenting, setting boundaries. Yeah. All day, every day. Yeah. Discipline, half, say a discipline. What are you other half that say discipline is not a challenging part of parenting? <laughs> What is going on in your household? You're running some sort of Bernie Sanders hippie commune where there are no rules and you run around naked touching each other's genitals. Yeah, exactly. Sick. Bernard Sanders. That's right. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Yeah. It's challenging is the point. I would say on whole, your parents did a better job than you would think. I feel like there's a... How do you know what I think? Well, it's just a, from from the survey responses. Oh, no, I'm way better than my parents. I think your parents probably did better than you think. I'm, I think you're overemphasizing the parts that you didn't like. I'm surprised that that, that many, that's three quarters of people that are raising kids don't think, oh, okay, you don't cut your parents more slack yeah. now that you have kids. That's what's surprising to me. Well, a lot of people are completely lacking in insight, Jack. Speaking of insight, CBS is trying to figure out how the uh, debate went so badly, and there's a lot of really delicious finger-pointing going on and and blaming and naming. I'll share that with you in a moment. First, a a note from Simply Safe, our beloved sponsor. They have a home security system that does not involve a long contract, does not involve a, a small fortune for a messy installation. You can install it yourself. And it's great. Two-time CNET Editor's Choice award-winning protection. Entry, motion, and glass break sensors that guard your house. Anyone can set it up, as Joe said. Takes about 30 minutes to an hour. Tops, it's only 50 cents a day, so you can afford it. And no contracts. You're not locked into something you decide you don't want. That's why The Verge, which is a great tech website, calls Simply Safe the best home security system around. Go to simplysafe.com. It's simply with an I at the end. I don't know why. Very, very novel. Very 21st century. Simplysafe.com slash Armstrong to get free shipping, 60-day risk-free trial. Nothing to lose. Simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. When Gail King breaks into Nora O'Donnell's house to blame her, she'll wish she had Simply Safe. Simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Yeah, I was surprised. I think it was... Uh... Uh, Brian Williams last night. Anyway, he had a couple of guests on, and man, they were just blasting CBS for that Democratic debate. And of course, yeah. Fox was, but um, uh, they're mostly laughing at it. Fox was mostly laughing at what a hilarious train wreck it was. The Democrat analysts were mad because, you know, you feel like this is our chance to beat Trump, and you, you only get so many debates, and people are tuning in, and you do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. A lot of finger pointing on, said one source. A I lot hate of finger to see pointing that. going on. No, wait a second. I don't hate to see that. I love to see that. I got it completely wrong. There were issues with the teleprompter and cues. 
What? Another said, it was a glimpse into the dynamic between Gail and Nora. A third source, everybody is pointing fingers. That's the best part. This debate really got out of control because there were too many cooks in the kitchen. Everybody had their own producers. It was a total train wreck with too many egos. Nobody was in full control. Yeah, I saw some criticism of there's just too many people involved in these debates. When did that become a thing? Back in the day, you had Jim Lehrer. One guy, right. the whole two hours, asking the questions and the follow-ups. And he could kind of keep track in his head or on paper of, you know, we've done plenty of this. Maybe we move to that, whatever. Right. But now you've got a couple of different people that start the debate. Including an angry Mexican lady the other night. Then they'll go to a different couple of people, like at a different desk. Then come back to these other people later in the... What, what is that? They're showcasing their talent. That's what it is. It's all it, about It's making... like when Tom Cruise waves at you at the Super Bowl wearing his <laughs> NFL hat. <laughs> and that is exactly what it is. So they want to make sure you see the people from the early show, the people that do the evening news, right. the people... The, uh, so you got George Stephanopoulos on, and then everybody... Yeah. Then an angry Uncle Dick in the deer stand. An angry seniorita. Right. And then Uncle Dick's up in the deer stand. He's had enough of it. He just wants a little peace and quiet. And who can blame him? Oh, the politics of this country could not be nuttier, I don't think. Although, having said that, (laughs) I fear the future. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Before we get to the Bernie Sanders clip that I think you should hear, just because um, there's going to be a lot of these, and we're going to have a national discussion about this, uh, this, this, this Bernie Sanders person and what he believes, and we'll go one way or the other. I have a, I have an idea where we're going eventually, so I think we're going to end up there sooner or later. But anyway, I'm um, afraid you're right. It's, uh, yeah, it's a difficult thing for uh, voters to resist. So I uh, don't follow sports that much at this point in my life, and I'm certainly not so into the NFL that I get into draft day and all that sort of stuff and combines. But like do a you lot of you see do. my mock draft. You have mock draft. Yeah. Well, are you taking Mecky Becton as your offensive lineman? Boy, whatever team you got running the ball, you want this guy. <clears throat> He's expected to be the first offensive lineman taken. He uh, played for Louisville. Six seven three sixty four. Oh my goodness! And quick as a cat. Man mountain. Six seven three sixty four. It's amazing that he and I are the same beast. Yeah, I know. It's like a, wow. a Great Dane and a Chihuahua. That is a giant human being. <clears throat> and he, he's, he's quick and agile, huh? But yeah, he's supposed to just be a do- dominant NFL player. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, you got to like go between his legs to tackle a guy, don't you? You can't take him on. You're some uh, 210-pound uh, defensive back. He comes rumbling out of the back, or, you know, rumbling up the field. You're That's thinking, a good oh point. no! Oh if, no! If oh I'm, no! If I'm, you got to go at his knees. If I'm two ten of muscle and I'm not, um, <laughs> I run into him and he's got a hundred and fifty four pounds on me. Any physicist will tell you how that's going to go. Good. I don't gosh. care how big the fight is in the dog. You're going to get knocked <laughs> bass backwards. All right. That's what I was thinking. My giant over tea kettle. That's what I always think of in my giant Ford Expedition that I drive. It's an enormous vehicle, and some little car will like look like they're starting to change lanes without looking. My wife will say, "Look out!" I say, "Whatever." Whatever. They need to look out. Yeah, they better look out. Yeah, we won't even notice they bumped into us. But yeah, it's just just inertia, a momentum. Uh, mass times force equals energy. Something wow. like that. That's good stuff. You gotta, gotta jot that so, down. So <laughs> back in the day, did you just come up with that? 
Back in the day, Phil Donahue had a very popular daytime talk show. He was one of the pioneers of the daytime talk show. Mm-hmm. And he was talking to a young, by today's standards, Bernie Sanders. Bernard Sanders. <laughs> Bernie Sanders in this clip, worth noting, he's 40 years old. So he's not like a college kid with no life experience. He's a 40-year-old. Here well, he, he lacked a great deal of life experience, as we'll discuss. But go ahead. But are you a capitalist? No, I'm not a capitalist. So you don't believe in the profit motive, free enterprise. If I have a better mousetrap, I make more money. There's something to be said for free enterprise on a local level and the competition. But what we're happening in our society is we don't live in a free enterprise society. You live in a corporate capitalist society where in virtually every single industry you have giant, multi-billion dollar corporations competing, driving the small businessmen okay, But let's out. pretend it would work without all that kind of acquisition of power that is unfair and doesn't... Do I believe that the profit motive is fundamental to human nature? The answer is no. Do I believe the profit motive is fundamental to human nature? The answer is no. That got cut off there. That's not some editing to mislead you on his answer. He says no. Um, uh, which is, uh, that is straight up Marxism right there. That part at the end is what's most interesting to yep. me. Yep. Um, and uh, then it's worth noting this from this political magazine article that uh, despite a prestigious degree, he got a poli-sci degree from the University of Chicago, Sanders failed to earn a living even as an adult. It took him 40 years to collect his first steady paycheck, and that was a government check when he finally won that mayoral race at age 40. And again, this is the Atlantic. Uh, This one's from Politico. Oh, Politico. Well, even better. Politico magazine. Yeah. Um, The stuff from the Atlantic that I mentioned earlier on the show was pointing out that the whole, hey, Fidel Castro, when he came into power, he brought literacy to Cuba. Well, the reason he did that is he wanted everybody to only learn that socialism was a great idea. He closed the private schools that were teaching people to read Mm -hmm. to make sure that it was only the government education. People that had the means fled Cuba and got their kids out of there because they were so scared about the great danger. And so did a lot of the teachers, and they had a nationwide teacher shortage. That's from the Atlantic, not exactly a right-wing magazine, explaining to you why the literacy program existed. That, that, the, the whole, yeah, but Hitler built the highways, Mussolini made the trains run on time is usually seen as a joke. Right. Um, but right. he actually does it with, with Castro in China for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's shocking too. Yeah. Castro taught people to read. That he was a god and that they must embrace communism. That's doing him a hell of a favor. You know, this quote from Jonah Goldberg I absolutely love, and the same thing has been said of freedom, and it's every bit is right. Capitalism is the most cooperative system ever created for the peaceful improvement of people's lives. It has only one single fatal flaw. It doesn't feel like it. The market system is so good at getting people from all over the world to work together that we barely notice how much we're cooperating. Same thing is said of liberty. People have no idea how free they are and how precious it is until they lose it. And then they would do anything, including kill or be killed, to get it back again. But while you have it, you don't notice it. It's like you know, thanking God every day that you weren't punched in the face. People don't do that. Craig, you're a boxer, maybe. Craig, the Obamacare lawyer, the healthcare lawyer, regular guest on this show. We're doing a podcast with him a little later today. Um, he texted me this yesterday. We were texting back and forth, and I don't think he'd mind me sharing it. Um, he was watching the debate, and he said, um, 
whenever Bernie's railing about how rich we are as a country, and we're, we're such a rich country, why can't we do this, why can't we do that? How come nobody cuts him off in the debates and says, hey, Bernie, why do you think our country is so rich? Why are we so much richer than France or Sweden or Denmark or Cuba or any of these other countries? It's because of the profit motive and the capitalist system that has made us so rich. Right. That's why we have so much money. It's not like an accident that there were the, we're the wealthiest country in the history of the world. And we have all this money, and then you can talk about how to spend it. Right, right. And he's going to totally reinvent that system. Well, it's taking for granted that that will always exist. Mm -hmm. Hey, listen, there are plenty of capitalists who do nasty stuff, and we need to stop it to the extent that we can. Need to enforce the laws, just laws, reasonable regulations, the rest of it. I I don't debate any of that. But, I mean, this is, uh, there are a couple of caveats to this, but this is so true, it's worth memorizing. Get it tattooed on you that free market people want to grow the pie. pie. Bernie just he wants... said pie. All right. You know, I should have used a different metaphor. I should know at this point <laughs> in our careers that any metaphor, in... no, for God's sake, that Bernie wants to divide the pie. But the pie will not only be divided, it will shrink. The future pies, the pies of the future, will shrink and shrink and shrink. Whereas the free market wants to grow the pie. Meanwhile, yeah, we can work on giving people an opportunity in this incredible land of opportunity. Ask any immigrant who owns a business if this is still a land where you can go from nothing to to something, to success. Of course it is. Anybody who says it isn't is a liar. Is it a little harder for some people than others, or even a lot harder for some people than others? Yep, that's always been and always will be. This is still the greatest land of opportunity on Earth. MSNBC hired more hosts that are favorable to Bernie, they made an announcement yesterday. Oh, boy. Yeah. Armstrong.